All right. Uh, just finishing off the last of my Coca-Cola um, because I, I'm not going to buy any more since they're a racist company after what was seen on the internet. Be less white. It's a bit hard for me. Can't change my skin colour. Um, so I've ordered up some of that green Coke. I don't know if you've seen it, but I've got some off Amazon. I'm going to give that a go when uh, my last Coke stash runs out. Bad Coca-Cola. Very, very bad. Um. Anyway, it's a bit political and I don't usually do politics. So, <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll move on fast from that nonsense that's out there. Anyway, I said I would do a video for someone based around um, what advice I would give to parents who have autistic children, and this is it. Now, what I will say is I'm not educated in the slightest to do this. Um, I am simply just someone who has autism, and I was a child once. Not that you'd believe it, but I genuinely was. I was a kid once, you know. Um, I think I'd have loved the beard when I was a kid just to mess with my teachers. But anyway, um, so what I've tried to do is I've tried to come from the angle of what advice would have helped me, you know, or what advice would have helped my mum if we'd have known that I was a child with autism. Um, and I've tried to come from that angle. So I, I had nine things memorized. Um, and I don't do odd numbers, so I either had to lose one or make another one. So round it up to a <laughs> to an even number. So I've got 10 things that I thought I would say just as a way of potentially giving a bit of advice if anyone needs it. Which brings me to my first one, which is don't listen to all the advice that's out there, including my own. Don't listen to me. If I say things when I'm talking and giving some advice on what I think would work, what would be better, why don't you try this? If it doesn't fit you, if it doesn't fit your narrative, if it doesn't fit how your child is, then feel free to ignore me completely. There we go. It's as simple as that. Just, you know, there are a lot of pages out there. There's a lot of internet pages out there, and they will be talking about you should do this, you should do that, make sure you include this in your child's diet, make sure you take your child here, make sure you go to yoga. If it don't work for you, if it doesn't work for your child, then it's a point. It's a pointless task listening to that person, isn't it? So, you know, you're not going to fit every narrative, neither is your child, neither is every person who offers the advice. It's all right to ignore some advice, it's all right to say some of this advice just doesn't work. So that's my first bit of advice is do not listen to all the advice that's out there. <clears throat> Another bit of advice would be to, how, how can I phrase this? If your child doesn't want to do something, then you have to make them do it. <laughs> and I don't mean with everything, but I'll give you a couple of examples of what I mean. So if, let's say your child can not tolerate water going on their head. I know that's uh, someone I know, their child can't have water on their head. So they shave their child's hair and use like wipes, like a, you know, a flannel or whatever to clean the child's hair. Um, it's not too bad because he's a lad and uh, it's easier for a lad to have a bald head than a girl, I suppose. Um, obviously, that's me being sexist. Don't say that these days, Paul, but it's true still. So whatever. Um, 
So the last thing they would do is take their child swimming. Because if they can't even wash their own child's hair in the comfort of their own home without him going into the biggest meltdown that takes days to come out of, they're never going to get him to a public swimming pool, get him swimming, you know, and go or take him scuba diving. It's, none of that's going to help that kid. So that's something that you are all right to not let your kid try. But that's where you pick your battles. You know, your child might be, might really dislike or not want to do something, but they might never have done it before. Whether it's going to a birthday party of a child that they've got in, you know, that they know from school, whether it's going to somewhere they've never been before, whether it's going to a family event, whether it's trying a certain food, you know, it's all right to bribe your child, you know. Um, like there's a fella called Kevin Chapman who's on YouTube and I watch him for his football manager videos and he not bribes his son, but one of them was to get him to make it take his medication. He can have a can of Dr. Pepper afterwards. Says it might not be the best thing out there, but it gets him to take his medication, you know. So in a way, for the easy life, he's doing the bribery with his son, I suppose. Um, and if you, if Kevin ever watches this, I uh, apologize if I've offended you. That's not my intention. You're a good guy. but if it's something simple and it's only a small fight you're going to have and it's something they've never done before, then you've got to try. You know, the battles you will have today will make it easier in the long run. And it'll also open them up for more scope. Like, I don't eat veg. I eat very limited vegetables because when I was younger, I wasn't given them. And when I was given them when I got a bit older, I thought they were disgusting and I never ate them and I refused to eat them. You know, but maybe if I was a little baby and they were constantly always trying to be reintroduced to me, if my mum would have gone through that process of trying to get some broccoli into me, for example, maybe that could have been an extra thing to add to the plate. You know, and there is a lot of times when autistic parents are burnt out and they just can't, they just don't want the fight, you know, because they've got the bills to think of, they've got the work to think of, they've got the household chores to think of. So sometimes just having that extra bit of battle, which might take an extra bit of half an hour, they don't do it because they're trying to catch themselves back up. And I fully understand that. But I'm saying if you go through it today, it might make it easier for tomorrow. Go to that event. Let the event or let the activity be the reason they don't want to do it anymore rather than the thought of it. Like when I used to do stand-up, I would write jokes in mind with three different perspectives, sort of if people loved it, if people hated it, and if people just didn't get it. Because I'm, I'm, I was petrified of getting on stage and telling a joke. I would be petrified going to the clubs. I'd be petrified going on stage. But the second I got the microphone in the hand and I said, all right, the second I said hello, I was all right. So all that fear was for absolutely nothing, you know? But if I gave in to the fear, I would never have gone and done stand-up. And I've had some of the best nights of my life doing stand-up. I know you never think it because I'm not funny anyway, but um, you know, autistic people are more scared of the thought of something, more scared of the process, more scared of failing in front of people than the actual event itself. So push through, guys. Come on, let's, uh, let's try and give these autistic kids a little bit more scope. All right. Um, that would be another bit of my advice.
this bit of advice is going to be a bit weird and you're going to think I'm well out of the ballpark with this and maybe a bit offensive and I don't mean it to be and let me explain, but it would be to learn your child. And that goes back to the first bit of advice, which is don't listen to all advice, you know? So you've got to learn your child. Don't let somebody else tell you who your child is. Obviously, specialists are good to a point, but they don't tuck your kid in at night. They don't deal with all of the meltdowns. They don't deal with all of the problems, all the concern, everything you do. So you really are the best placed person to learn your child. And I'm not saying learn your child for autism. I'm saying learn your child. Everything they will ever do will always be on a scale. Whether they're going to be sad, happy, tired, whatever. You know, we're all the same in a lot of respects where we can start at 100% and what, you know, happens through the day will bring us down to zero. You'll know what will cause the biggest meltdown. You will. You'll know what happens, which causes the triggers. So you've just got to learn because your child will not fit into every single box that's out there. Your autistic child might not have OCD, might not have ADHD, might not be bipolar, might not have a gender identity crisis, which a lot of people are talking about now in autism. Just learn your child. Don't take your child down a path. Let your child find its path and then you guide and you rein in where it starts to go off a bit too far. You know, you have to discipline when they do wrong. You have to praise when they do right. But learning your child, nobody else's, from nobody else's perspective, will give you full focus on how your child operates. If your child doesn't want friends, don't try to make your child make friends. I'm a grown man and I can speak for myself and I do not need or want any new friends at all. I don't suffer if I don't socialize. I don't feel sad if I've not spoken to someone. Neurotypical minds think we need friends. I'm telling you, I don't. And if your child seems not to want to make friends, then that's where you need to learn your child. Do they not want friends because they're so afraid of losing a friend or they're afraid they won't be able to deal with a friend or they might be overbearing or they might not get on, whatever it might be? Or do they just not need that social interaction? You might be enough. <laughs> you really might be, you know. Their brothers and sisters might be enough. That one friend they might have they see once a month at a play date that you might have set up, that might be enough. You know, if I speak to a friend now and I don't speak to them for six months, that's enough. I'm fine. Maybe your child will be as well. So you learn your child, not from what everybody else says, not from your mind. Just let your child unravel in front of you and you'll see what you are presented with. Another tip. And it's going to sound, again, a very generic tip, but I kind of don't mean it to be. And that is that structure is very important. But what I mean by structure might be different from what other people think of structure. And I think I mentioned in one of these videos that, you know, I always go on about the time I go shopping, Tuesday after 8 p.m. So I don't say Tuesday at 8 p.m. because then that pigeonholes me and makes me have to get there at that time. 
So I say after 8 p.m. because it's never going to get worse at that shop after 8 p.m. And I've got till midnight to get there. So so long as I get there and back before midnight, I'm all right. But the first time is eight. All right. But structure for an autistic person can very easily become a prison. So if I gave myself that at eight o'clock, I'm going to be in my prison. I'm going to be. I'm going to be governed by making sure I get to the shop for eight. So I, that's why I gave myself the not at eight, the after eight to give myself that flexibility. So it's not, it's more of a structure rather than a routine, rather than something fixed, set in stone. That's an absolute must. Um, so the structures, other parts of structures could be eating. You know, it's not about having fish fingers, beans and chips for your tea. That's not the routine. The routine would be making sure the beans do not touch the fish fingers, would be making sure the beans do not touch the chips. It might be that you don't want wedges. They've got to be chips. Because for me, for example, if I tell you about my eating habits, if you want me to eat something, it's less about what it is and more about how it's presented or how it's cut. So like cucumbers, I'll only eat a cucumber if they've been quartered. Um, tomatoes, I'll only eat them if they're thrown in the bin and replaced by something I like. So, you know, certain like if that fish fingers, beans and chips scenario, I can't eat any, I can't eat the, I can't eat if they're touching. So if the beans are touching the chips or the beans are touching the fish fingers, I can't eat them in which they've touched, you know? So the structure for me to eat that would be potentially the time I eat how the food's presented, what plate it's on, the knife and fork, what room am I in? How about the clothes I'm wearing? I might need to sit in comfy clothes. You know, maybe I don't want socks on when I eat. That's how I eat. I take my socks off. Do I watch TV? Do I not watch TV? Do I have to have something on the tablet? Do I not have something on the tablet? So what if, if all of those were concerns, for my structure to be complete, all my substructures need to be aligned for it to be okay. And if I can make sure that everything is accurate every single time, there's less chance of me having a meltdown. There's less chance of me being triggered more because so many other things are correct. And it creates more of a calming environment for me. And uh, that's how I get to relax. So it's not the fact that there's a structure that's needed. It's making sure your entire substructure network is also in place because without all that, there is no structure. Okay. <laughs> Something else. Um, it isn't meant to be easy. You know, raising a child with autism is not meant to be an easy process. No one said it was going to be either. You know, if everyone did it or if, you know, every, everybody be able to do it. And not everyone can. And I know some parents feel really bad when they feel like they've got to, you know, put their child in respite because they just need a bit of time to get the house in order, pay the bills, go and do food shopping, maybe take some time out for themselves and have a cup of coffee with a friend. You know, you're allowed. Don't be silly. Go and do those things. Blimey, you're more than entitled to do it. But if you think about the world we live in as well, like what's going on right now? now today as i do this 
Black Lives Matter. Stop Asian hate. There's women empowerment, you know, because a woman was, and, and people are saying now, um, or women are saying, we, we're not saying all men are rapists. We just don't know which ones are. And I hate it in a way because the last thing I want to do is anything like that. But then I kind of get tarred with that brush. But if I dare open my mouth and say, I feel like I'm being attacked and I've not done nothing wrong. I don't want to even speak to people, let alone start getting tarred for things I've never done and never will do. They're like, it's not about you. And I just get lost. Um, but, you know, these there's, 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 um, there's trans rights. There's something about super straight something now. Um, there's riots in Bristol because um, squatters have had their rights removed. Uh, there's the Myanmar coup. There's things in autism as well, like the arguments about whether you're allowed to say high-functioning autism. Um, you know, the, there's the, the things with gender included in there. There's just so much always going on. And then there's you with your autistic child. And you're crying <laughs> at night. And you're stressed and you're tired and you don't know what to do for the best sometimes. It isn't meant to be easy. So if you are feeling overwhelmed, it's because you are meant to be overwhelmed at times. You know, and this isn't advice that can make you help help you feel better. I'm just saying, you know, it's not no one said it was easy. And we live in a crazy world. Focus on you, your house, your child, which leads me to another point, which would be be selfish, be selfish, be selfish. You know, I have a problem with selfishness and that is people think selfishness is selfish and it isn't. If you are selfish where it doesn't, it's not to the detriment of someone else and your selfishness is looking after you the people you care about, the home you live in, your child, your sanity, be as selfish as you want. If your brother is getting married and he decides they want to get married at half past 10, but you have a routine with your child that if it's broken, that structure, if it's broken, your child won't function for the day, the week, and you'll have to take time off work. You're not going to sleep. There's meltdowns on the horizon. Nothing stopping you being selfish and saying to your brother, is there any way you can delay it until 11? And that way, you're being open as to why, because you can always share. And if they say, no, it has to be half 10, then you can be selfish, even though it's your brother's big day and you'd love to be there for it. You can say, I can't do it. I simply cannot make it because I need to be there for my child. You know, autism's not a choice. The way your child is programmed and wired at its core is not a choice. The decisions you make along the way will soften the blow and determine the impacts. But you've got to be selfish. If you don't attend events, if you can't go out to eat in public, if you can't meet a friend at a certain time in town with your child because you know it's going to be an issue, then you say so. And if people don't like it, then they're clearly not the people to be around because you've got to look after the people that when you close your door, that's what's said and done. That's who's there. 
That's where your life starts and ends. And that's where you've got to be selfish. All right. So don't ever feel bad for it when you're doing it to your benefit. Okay. Because you've got to look after yourself, haven't you? But saying that, saying that, my uh, wonderful people out there, uh, one of the things that bothers me is when people seem to think that having an autistic child makes them more important. So what I mean is just because you have a child with autism, it doesn't mean you're more important than anyone else out there. <coughs> because, and I probably told this story before, but there was a big queue in a coffee shop and this woman walked from the back of the queue all the way to the front of the queue got the attention of the barista and said, I can't wait in that queue. My child has autism. And if we wait in the queue, the child will have a huge meltdown and nobody will want that and we can't deal with that. So can we get served now to avoid all that? And the barista served her. Now, the reason that's wrong is because I make so many adjustments to blend into this world. I make so many adjustments to avoid them sorts of things happening. I go shopping late at night. I do not walk into town after 9 a.m. on a weekend because it's going to start getting busier. There's going to be queues in shops. I take the time and the effort because the world is never going to be more autism-friendly than it is neurotypical-friendly because the majority of people are neurotypical. So it's not going to swing in my favor anytime soon. COVID is the only time where the world has been more in my favor because of the social distancing and less people around. But if you're going into town on a Saturday at 12 o'clock and you are surprised there's queues everywhere and you don't want to queue up because your child will have a meltdown, then you went to town on the wrong day at the wrong time. I'm sorry, but you can't expect the world to change for you because what that does is if I see that and I hear that, I'm then very annoyed that because this person had autism, oh, they get special treatment. And even I'd think that as someone with autism, I'm like, oh, what? Because I'm not at their point of the spectrum. I have to wait in a queue. But if it was just a couple of notches to the other side, maybe I'd get seen first. You know, and it creates negativity. And that's not right. You know, unfortunately, you do have to amend your life to your own circumstances. You can't expect everyone else who doesn't know you to do it for you. So pick the best times. Okay. That's. Uh, a bit more controversial, I will admit, but that's something I uh, I will say. Um, but we'll 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 get to some positives. How about that? And one of the positives would be to celebrate your victories and not mourn your defeats. So your child, for instance, might have a meltdown. A lot of people wait for the meltdown, and then when it happens, it's like, oh no, they've had the meltdown. Uh, it's the wrong way around. Don't do it that way. Try and, try and do it where if you have a day without a meltdown, great. We'll tick that day off. 
If you go the next day, great, tick that day off. And you go as many days as you can by doing the routines from the structures that I mentioned because you learnt your child and no one said it was going to be easy. You have to be selfish. <laughs> all the points I'm saying. And doing all of these things will make you have less meltdowns because you're being selfish. You're taking care of what matters and you know your child because you take all that time to learn their structures they need. And it will reduce, it won't eliminate it, but it will reduce either the severity of the meltdown or the frequency of them. And you celebrate that and you take that time to learn why they've not melt done their meltdown. And then you try and implement that the second time around and you tweak, you adjust, you amend, you find the right pattern, what works best for you. But there's a lot of things on the internet which I read where it's a lot of focus on the negative. They put the negative on the meltdown and, oh, my gosh, my child can't do this. They're doing it. You're never going to be right all the time. But when you are right and when you do achieve something, when you do get that laugh out of your child, when they do try that new food, ah, oh, celebrate that like you've won the World Cup. Because to someone else, it wouldn't even batter an eyelid out of interest. But to you, it's massive and it's all right for that. So take it on board. Be happy about it. What's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with being happy. It's like the world doesn't want you to be happy anymore, but you can be happy. All right. So celebrate your victories. Don't mourn them as defeats. There we go. Another one would be to remember something ridiculously important. And that is you. You're important too. You put in so much effort, time, thought into your child that people forget who they are. They forget what they need as well. But like I said in one of the other points, if you need respite, if you need time away from your child, that does not, and I repeat, does not make you a bad parent. It just means you're human. It just means you need to recharge. It just means that you need some time off. You know, I work five days, I'm off for two days. Why? Because I need to recharge. If I spend an entire day with my mum and I don't see her for a couple of weeks, all right, because I need to recharge because my mum still treats me like I am three years old and I can't deal with that because I'm not three years old. So I need to recharge. You need to recharge as well. You might not need as long. You might just need an hour in the bath with a good book and a lot of bubbles, you know. But whatever you need, you need to take it. Don't think you're ever doing something wrong because you're putting yourself first for the times you need to. You know, if you're one of them parents who's getting all the false nails while the kid's sat in the corner, you know, sucking on a Twinkie or, you know, because <laughs> they can't afford to eat proper food, then you're a terrible parent. But you tend to find a lot of parents with autism don't realize that they need to stop sometimes. They need to take time for themselves. They need time to, and I'm not saying it's going to be a couple of weeks. It's just making sure you have the time where you benefit from the time you spend with you. You're important. You really are. And without you, your child can't function as well as your child should. And there's a saying I love, which is you cannot pour from an empty cup. And if you're bottomed out on emotion, what do you think that's going to do with your kid? You know? Um, 
the last one I would say is having an early diagnosis is better than a late diagnosis. Take that from me. You get the diagnosis, you know your child has autism. You know there are things you need to do. You know these things you're going to have to learn, but you can do it as you go along. You'll make mistakes. You'll have your successes. But hopefully they won't get to 34 when I got diagnosed and I've led the life I led and I've had those fights, not had the support, had all the confusion and not know who they were. With They haven't led a thousand lives and they're still trying to find one that's right. A lot of people as parents go, my child has autism and I really don't know what to do. Trust me, having that uh, diagnosis earlier on, as someone who didn't have it, where I've got the tremors, I always shake. I've got fibromyalgia brought on by the anxiety and the stress, which could have had control measures in. It's a lot worse being diagnosed later than having it earlier on. All right. That's 10 things. I hope any of them help. I really do. But until next time, I hope you all get on well and uh, keep smiling.